Hi, everybody. Welcome to season one, episode five of the Teach for Justice podcast. Um, the, the, real, the theme of today's podcast is um, gendered pronouns and why they're important, uh, as well as uh, where does that fit in this larger conversation about student identity and what lengths, you know, I'm trying to think about what lengths teachers should go to uh, to uh, respect the student's identity, um, especially as a reaction to you know, recent developments in um, uh, uh, people talking about identity, especially uh, students themselves talking about their identity and how they wanna be referred to and how they want their friends to be referred to also. And so with me, I have Hang Tran, uh, who is a, a local teacher and colleague and um, I just want to welcome you. Thank you for coming on and, and helping me understand better and be better for my students, for our students. Um, but um, if you could take a second and explain to everybody um, you know, what your teaching background and your, your commitment to uh, this issue is and, and things like that. Okay, so... Um... Thank you, Alfie, for just having me on. I, it's an honor. And, and I think one of the best things about this journey of yours is um, the asking questions and seeking answers that, you know, may not have like a, a right or a wrong or, or a, um, a, you know, correct and correct and those types of things. It's just you know, what's working for our people and our students. Um, I grew up in a very gendered culture. Um, my Vietnamese culture is a very gendered culture. Um, and even with my parents, but at a very young age, I'd known that I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I just, I wasn't like, or I felt like an outsider. And I think that that's where my journey into seeking identity and seeking my gender identity, but also just making sure that um, those around me felt and feel safe um, and as well as, you know, feel okay to be themselves. Um, so I went to school for a hundred years, it feels like <laughs> right. before I, you know, got out of school in 2015, started working here at Bolsa. Oh, am I supposed to say the school? You could probably bleep that out. If right. You didn't. <laughs> right. Started working here at our local school. Um, in Southern California. In Southern California, <laughs> uh, uh, in a predominantly Asian and uh, Latinx community. Uh, so um, just go beep at that part. Right. <laughs> but um yeah, so I started working here and I just, I see a lot of our students um, struggling like I did. Um, and I somewhat do when it comes to identity and, and expressing yourself, but expressing yourself in a way that um, is authentic and true to yourself too, but not to, to anyone else. So long story longer, here I am. And over the last year, uh, I, I do teach ELA. I do not teach history. Um, as, as some of you listeners may know that uh, Alfredo is a, um, a social science teacher. I'm English, uh, liberal arts. So English and ELD 
which stands for English Language Development. And for those of you who aren't familiar with English Language Development, oftentimes it was called ESL, English as a Second Language. Right. Um, however, it's the, the term now is English Language Development because some of our kids are coming in with multiple languages and not just the second language uh, being English. Um, and so that's where I'm at. My passion is there as well. And, and I love English for the language and for how it's so malleable. Uh, so, yeah, I don't and, know. Right. And so for our listeners, just I felt like you were um, an excellent person to work with me on this. I was, of course, trying to find a good reason to have you on, because uh, uh, when I think of you, uh, I forget who I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how to make things manageable at your school and to avoid burnout, you need a, uh, a champion, uh, a colleague who's a champion of what you're doing and what you're trying to do. And I consider you a champion of mine and, you know, keeping me going. And, and I, um, I, I seek to be a champion of what you are doing. And, and it's because we're able to talk about this comfortably and I can be vulnerable about it because uh, some of this is uncomfortable for me, but yeah. I'm trying. Uh, and, and part of me trying is asking questions. And, and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who want to know more about this pronoun stuff. I mean, our, some of our colleagues have asked me, what, what is it about? I, I was recently at an at a event with adults and uh, a family friend said, I don't understand this whole thing, which is actually what spawned this conversation of me seeking you out and saying, hey, you willing to come talk about this? And I'm going to send a copy of this podcast, of course, to her and say, well, um, I hope this helps, right? <laughs> you were asking me, what is it all about and why is it important? Uh, he, I've learned a bit more. I, I did not feel equipped to talk about it um, at the time. And so uh, I want to set kind of the stage for where I am currently with this and why I'm seeking to do better. Uh, where I am, and I, I, I think... I, I know several people in this boat. Uh, if I am on a Zoom at a professional development or a class I'm taking or any kind of meeting and other people are putting their pronouns and parentheses on their Zoom, I will go ahead and do that. Uh, and uh, if they aren't, um, I will be hesitant to be the first to do it. I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of being in this space, but uh, this is where I am. And um, uh, my family friend who said, I don't get it. And, you know, thought that I would have some enlightened answer because I'm a teacher and she understands me to be somebody who is, you know, uh, I, I've been uh, on the margins uh, growing up that I'd, I'd be more into it. And, and I felt like, yeah, you know what, I, 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 I at least want to understand why I am or aren't more into it. And so that's, that's where I am with it. And lately, Students have been, I've been good about saying he or she, right? And we'll get to this article that you sent to me here in a second, but I've been good about that as a history teacher saying he or she. Um, lately, more and more students will, you know, raise their hand or just blurt out, or they, you know, <laughs> lately that, especially this year, that's happened more and more. And I say, you're absolutely right. Or they, and um you know, I think um, getting a little consistency on that um, might be a good thing. Um, and so that, that's where, where I'm at with it. Uh, and so uh, I want to understand better um, uh, w the why behind it all. 
So first off, I just want to address that. I mean, we all, I don't want to say like slip up. Um, I often accidentally misgender somebody or I will, if they use the terms they, them, I would sometimes say like he or she regarding them. So first I want to just say that I know that a lot of people part of the LGTB community will agree that if you are not doing it out of malice, if you're not misgendering out somebody out of malice, then um, it is okay. I don't want to ever stop the conversation just because we are, I like, so I have a child and uh, I'm gonna use the terms they, them to refer to my child. I've been using they, them to refer to my child for um, since their conception basically. Mm -hmm. And so when people misgender, when people, I don't want to even say misgender because Juniper is so young that they are not yet able to express to me what their gender is. Um, I use they, them to talk to them. And when people say, oh, he is like this, oh, he's so cute. Or she is like this, she is so cute. I know that it's not coming from malice, right? right? And if it's not coming from malice and you're seeking to, to learn, then it is okay to, to ask questions and it's okay to, to say like, oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't, I didn't mean that. How should I refer to you? Or what are your pronouns or what are your words? And so there are many, many people who would agree with me and say like, it's not just because you say she by accident, it doesn't mean like, oh my God, you're not a part of it. You're not an ally or, or something like that. So, so at this point, I can imagine someone listening might say or be fixated on, okay, but what gender are they? Right. And do you find that, that there's the tension in them to want to know for some reason in their brain or upbringing or conditioning that they have to know, do you find, uh, what is your reaction to that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, no, you say I they, do. them, but quote unquote, what are they? Right? I do, and I don't want to be blunt and say this, no, but, <laughs> but I, I don't want, I don't need to explain my child's genitalia. Mm -hmm. Right, right. <laughs> like, that's really what it is. Like when, when, you know, and, and so when people ask that question, it's not, I know that they're, they're just trying to, to figure out like, how should I treat this child or how should I refer to this child in a binary world, in a she, he world only. Um, so I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, it's okay. I like gender identity is, is not, it's not something that is fixed just because you were born with a certain set of genitalia. But that is, that is of course my own. And I understand how people are very, um, there are some individuals who find that to be a very radical thing um, now, mm -hmm. right? Even now, like that that's a radical idea, but. You know, uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, Chicano. I grew up in Los Angeles. It's very, very gendered and all that. But I've been coaching for 30 years, including youth coaching. Mm -hmm. And, you know, scientifically at ages five and six, whether it's soccer or basketball or 
t-ball you know it, the yeah. gender doesn't matter right they're they all their gender doesn't matter and and so on the athletic field i've gotten very used to they're just players they're just they're just kids there's literally no relevant reason to pay any attention to uh their genitalia uh because it, at that age at that young age it's it plays no um role in yeah. deciding anything and and so um i think for coaches and parents you know i have two kids and and have coached a ton including t-ball and four and five year old <laughs> um, uh you know soccer and, and and things like that it's it's you know it's it's just they're just kids they're just athletes on the team and no one, yeah. it's not relevant exactly and i i can agree there i think it's also i think that it's not something where we need to say oh well this individual is a he so he needs to play with only he's or or right. something like that like it's not relevant to them it's not important and so that's why using i think they them as referring to to individuals um you know, until they're able to, to tell us that, you know, how they feel in the society, how, how, where they, where they rest in the spectrum or where they rest, you know, um, in this gender world. So it's okay to just use they, them. And so that's where I'm coming from. I'm, I'm being an English teacher. I know many of my English peers from all over, um, several different schools, uh, districts and, having struggle with they them and how to teach it and how to how to talk about it but i just wanted to talk about it from a grammar perspective um so is it grammatically correct you use can use they them in english? i'm a history teacher but in so the article that i sent you and if we're going to talk about language language is ever fluid that's the thing like language changes to fit the individuals have you ever googled anything have you well, ever Googled not, not only have I Googled, but the exactly. So you me... just used it as a verb, but Google is technically <laughs> a noun. So not to, not to trip you up, but language no, okay. changing, right? Language. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Like if you've ever Googled something or if you, I will Marie Kondo this, like making those allusions, those references, um, that's language that is changing um, to fit the purpose of its user. And so, yes. I would argue that they, them is grammatically correct. And we've been using it forever to each their own, right? And, and so on that note, right, for grammar, for example, the article you sent me is from a, a website called the Purdue OWL. And OWL, for those of you who don't know, OWL is an acronym for Online Writing Lab. And I do, I teach a, AP US History as well as a, a writing class, a seminar writing class to uh high school students and Purdue OWL, the online writing lab was one of the original online um, sources for MLA format, Chicago format, basically because of that exact issue you just brought up, which was it changes. The, the rules change for being grammatically correct. And rather than buying every year, the, the new edition of the style manual yeah. You could get it online. They were one of the first uh, to embrace that tech piece. And they, so they are sort of the stand, they are the standard and they have set this, the um, expectation that there will be updates and modifications every year to what yeah. is, isn't acceptable. And so according to Purdue Owl, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
uh, it's a great article called Gender Gendered Pronouns and Singular They for those people that want to look it up. And it's broken into four really good parts that I think are going to help address people's concerns. They certainly were very enlightening to me because I am not uh, fully versed on this, um, but I do feel changed from it. And I'm grateful that you send it to me. But yeah, so um, it allows, you know, it talks a little bit about the history where uh, the, the first start was getting away from every, the default always being male, mm -hmm. right? And there was, so there was a big trend to get rid of the default always being male and saying he, and then adding or she. Mm -hmm. And then now uh, this concept of gender neutral, being acceptable, right? Um, and I, I go back to this phrase and I don't know how often you use it, but the phrase is all communication is based on agreement, mm -hmm. right? All, and so I think um, the agreements in style have been top down, elite academia down. And I think we're trying to get some people on their own to say, well, you know what, regardless of what elite academia says, I prefer to be referred to in this way. Elite academia's language towards me and people like me uh, doesn't feel good or doesn't include me. And I'd like to feel included uh, when I'm, while I'm, while I'm learning. And so, uh, and they, they talk about how Chicago APA format, um, you know, and more, it's more and more being accepted academically to use they because to not default to he or he or she. Yeah. And I know a lot of my, um, you know, academic peers would be reliant on, you know, well, what does MLA say? What does Purdue mm -hmm. OWL say? Because that is still our societal like marker, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and I love the fact that these articles uh, speaking about the singular they are coming out through all like APA, as you mentioned earlier, MLA, as well as Chicago style are all addressing the singular they. And inside the classroom, I've encountered both successes and um, challenges when teaching the singular they to uh, ELA students, or sorry, ELD students, so English language learners, right? And um, I actually had a colleague of ours ask me, because I refer to Juniper as they, them, um, they asked me, you know, do I say they is or do I say they are? Mm -hmm. Because we had always been taught that is um, is singular while are is for plural. Mm -hmm. However, that's not the case. Um, think about the word you. If you say you are my friend versus right. you are my friends, it's same. You can be both singular or plural in the context of the sentence. I did much, not think of it that way, but you're right. <laughs> much, much like the word all, right? There's a lot of words in our languages, um, in our language. Sorry, I do speak two languages. So that's why I say <laughs> languages. But um, in our language that has the singular or plural based on the, the, the context of the sentence, Words like all, all the piece of cake is, or all the piece of cakes are, right? Depending on the context of what it is or some. Um, so when we think about that, many uh, of us is, many of us are, no, that one, cut that out. No, just kidding. <laughs> but um, yeah, 
there's, there's just so many that basically fit both roles. And I think they, unless there is a creation of a new pronoun, which I'm not too familiar with yet, but if there is a creation of a new pronoun to fit both, because I know other societies um, do have a gender neutral pronoun separate from a plural pronoun. Um, so unless English creates that within the next few years, I, I can see they fitting the role of both singular, gender neutral, um, and non-binary, all of that. The, um, the article asks another important question, which I think in these times has to be asked. So I, I really appreciate it. One of the subheadings is, is this political? Right. And so according to this article, um, conversations around, I'm quoting here, conversations around gender and sexuality have always been political. They, they cite Dr. John D'Amelio um, from University of Illinois at Chicago, having spent numerous publications talking about discussions of, of gender and sexuality. But these practices are being recognized. Um, including the uh, honorific MX, which is a title where people yes. just specifically, deliberately are preferring not to identify as either, um, uh, which, you know, it, it, so is it political? Sure. But it always has been. It's not politically, it's not new to the political yeah. conversation. And, and so, you know, I mean, gosh, women's rights have been political. As a history teacher, I can tell you women's rights have been political for a long time. And so, um, but now I think it's just broadening to not just a male-female thing. It's broadening to to be aware of of more, not just general neutral, but other. Um, and there's a there's a list here, including like non-conforming and things like that, which, which we'll get to in a second. Um, the other thing I love about this article and I'm grateful for is, and this is, I think, the pushback that I've been hearing most, which is it's a fad or it's a trend or this is temporary and I'm just going to do what I do and ride it out, quote unquote, ride it out. But uh, and I love this as a historian, according to the article here, the English Oxford English Dictionary's first citation of gender neutral was they in about at about 1375 the year 1375 um the phrase they to be gender neutral appears uh in 1382 in jean wycliffe's translation of the bible okay and then shakespeare also uses it in much ado about nothing and so uh while recently uh a different concept of gender has brought this to the forefront um uh, with gender neutral and non-binary, uh, it still is not a new trend that we're, we're going back centuries here. So this is not invented by, uh, you know, whatever, whoever some people might accuse yeah. of inventing something like this. So, you know, for those of you trying to or considering using those as obstacles to accepting this, um, Open, you know, I would really encourage you to op open, open up your mind up and, and, oh, and partly because if you're not a teacher, I just have seen uh, several students over the last couple of years really um, make the request more and more to, to keep in mind. They're, and they're not, and they're not angry about it. They're saying, hey, can you keep in mind, open it up that maybe using they and, and, and things like that. And so I appreciate that. I also, I, um, I guess I noticed with even with the students who are coming from you know outside of the United States, they're 
they're more open to um, talking about gender. They're more open when it comes to accepting that there are, you know, differences even within like a, a gen, like a, a, a gender or whatever, there's differences among all of us. And so it's just fascinating for me to see as, as an individual who speaks with a lot of immigrant children, how, you know, it may not be talked about as much in Vietnam or in Guatemala, but they're more accepting when they come here and they're more willing to, to, um, you know, try it on, try on this, um, you know, this language, this new language, like talk of ours. Right. So, you know what I feel kind of odd about, cause, cause now we're talking about them coming here, but for us here is Southern California. And so one thing I've been struggling with lately, uh, because it's a very Southern California thing is oh, referring yeah. to, <laughs> is referring to people as dude. Okay. So, you know, and so, uh, I, you know, it, I've grown up with it. I've said dude for a variety of reasons in a variety of occasions. And I still do. Um, is that something I should feel like I should really work hard to eliminate from my vocabulary because I'm being offensive? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I think I've called honestly, you dude before. Yeah, dude. <laughs> even I just said it right there. Right. It's a, such a Californian slang. And again, you're not coming, going back to what I said earlier, it's not coming from a place of malice. You're no, not, I'm not. You're not yeah, no. yeah, you're not saying like you're a dude. You're but just I've like, walked away going, oh, I just called a dude. No, so. no I, I say man, I say dude. <laughs> Everyone is either like a girlfriend or a son. Like mm-hmm. I've called every, like all of my I call my children all of my students I'm like son you need to stop like stop right. and they're like what what I'm but I'm a girl I was like son no <laughs> <laughs> right but like in a joking way of course not to to gender the student or anything but it's or I'll call them girlfriend and they're like Mrs. Tran I'm like anybody could be a girlfriend and yeah. so I think that that is language itself um that's the fun part of it. It's the fun, you know, to be able to, to joke with each other, but not to the point where it's at the expense of another individual, right? Like, right. And their identity. We just really identity. feel like this is an important part of this. Yeah. Um, and now I have you as an accountability person. I mean, I, I, I remember recently I, I made a comment about, there was a school dance and I, I made a comment, um, and uh, I said, well, you know, you shouldn't get that. Please tell me you're not getting all riled up over. Uh, I think I was talking about a girl and I said, please tell me you're not getting distracted and you're lacking focus because you're distracted by a boy. And you said, or a girl or, or both or neither. And, and, <laughs> and having an accountability person helps me stay on track. And we talked about a colleague, which or my name was right now, who, who checked me when I referred to a couple of outstanding, very bright, very intelligent female colleagues oh. as chicks. <laughs> and he just looked at me with the side eye, chicks. So, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, um, and uh, so, but what, what, you know, what, what um, advice would you have for somebody who's maybe in a school in a part of the country or in a part of California where, there isn't, there aren't too many people on staff that are there to keep them accountable about their language and being encouraging like you are for me. I think that is a very difficult question because 
I think it also comes down to the individual who is, you know, like when you said chick and the person checked you, you were like, oh yes. But if there's that initial bat, like backlash and saying like, oh yeah, whatever. Like, so what have I said that? Um, I can understand how someone is, could be discouraged to, to speak up, mm-hmm. but I think it is also important to, to recognize those that are like-minded, but it is good to see, to also see outside, to keep yourself calibrated, right? To see like, okay, what are the conversations being had? And then ma- remaining quiet at that moment does not mean that you are not an ally. Maybe you're just, you know, saying, waiting for uh, the right time. And so going back to your thing, accountability. Accountability starts with the self, but then having those individuals who are um, around you to keep you accountable as well is is um, sometimes like really hard to find. And I really don't know the answer to that. That's fair. That's fair, you know. For those that live, and this is where I am in my own little bubble, because I have so many people at our school that can keep me accountable and keep me like fresh and spry and, and, and to make sure that I'm not just lost in my own sort of like um, reality. Um, Including your work life. Including my work wife. Yeah, my work wife. So, my, and my students, my esposa, uh, learning, I'm sure learning Spanish. That is not one of the two languages I speak, by the way, <laughs> if you couldn't tell by, but my um, esposa. And that was really interesting. Um, the kids, because esposa means spouse, but that's like marriage spouse, right? not work wife. And so the kids from my ELD basics class, when I called my work wife, my esposa, they're like, esposa like together (laughs) they weren't sure where and so like you know what and we were and she and I are fine with that we're like whatever like she's my work wife um and for uh for the right and you you are married to a man I am married Uh, to a man and um but for our just for the for the audience here I came to school with my kids uh maybe a year ago and uh, we ran into you and it's like, hey, this is my friend, blah, blah, blah. And you had asked, have you seen my wife? Have you seen my work wife? And I said, oh, no. And I knew who you were talking about. And yeah. I said, oh, I haven't seen her yet, but we just got here. And, and you walked away. And, and, and one of my kids whispered very politely, uh, daddy, is, uh, is she a lesbian? And I remember pausing and saying, well, why, why are you asking what? And I thought it was because of your hair. It was very colorful that day. It was, a, I forget what, it was a very deep, very obvious color. And uh, I thought that's what the reason I just wanted to hear, hear him say it. And uh, I guess it's because you're so used to the word work wife. That you yes, right. That. Exactly. That yeah. I missed that. And he said, well, he, uh, she said wife. And I was like, Oh, I totally missed that. I said, no, it's just a term, buddy. It's a work wife. It's just a term. Some people use. Um, but it, it did, it did get me to thinking, Oh, and, and for the record too, he, and you know, this, he, he, he said, uh, not that it's a big deal. I don't, I, I just, know. I just want to know. I just it wondering. And he, it was great. Um, but uh, it, it did get me thinking hypothetically, if we, if we had a, a male teacher come in, and, and add to it, if it were a, a gay male teacher with a husband, 
because there's layers there. You're married and you have the using the term work wife. I've never used the term work wife or work husband for that matter. Um, uh, how does your husband feel about that term? My actual husband yeah, or my your actual husband? husband or your actual oh, so, so he doesn't mind or anything like that. I guess it's because for us, he, he already like, it's, it's no, it's no big deal, I guess, yeah. because I'm only, and this is quoting my work husband, cause I have a work husband too. And I okay. have several, I have several work wives. Yeah, okay. I'm only polygamous when it comes to right. work. <laughs> work right? Right. And so, and, and, Fair. <laughs> and that that's it because I think I'm only polygamous when it comes to work. I'm monogamous when it comes to my, my spouse, but um, yeah, it's not something that I think it's because he's already, I guess the conversation I want to, to, to go back to is the conversation he and I had when it came to talking about our child and mm-hmm. the, and why we would use the pronoun they, and mm-hmm. it is very difficult for a lot of people um, because yeah, that's one of the first questions people ask, like, are they a boy or a girl? Yeah, right. Like, They're so conditioned to, what difference does it make, especially at that age, right? Yeah. And, and um, for the record, and, how old is Juniper right now? Juniper is turning two okay. in 10 days. Right, so no. in 10 days from the recording of this, not probably okay. 10 days from Right, this right. Yeah, it might take a second to. Yeah. But sorry, sorry, right. people. No, 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 no. <laughs> sorry, uh, nine no. people that are rushing to hear the next episode. <laughs> you, 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 10 out. Nine of you, yeah. We love you. But, um, no, it's the, um, they're turning two and it's very fascinating to see them as a child in the sense of like trying on both roles. Like they'll see me do something and they'll mimic it too, or they'll see my husband do something and they'll mimic what he's doing. And, um, so it's like, you know what? It's cool. You get, you you know, literally the world is your oyster. Like you get to decide like what, what, what you want to be and how you want to be treated. And we were, um, over this weekend, you know, lots of people were saying, Oh, she's so cute. She's so cute. And then there were other people saying, Oh my God, he's so cute. He's so cute. And we were just like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Like we wouldn't either way. It's all good either way. And we've had like children. It doesn't bother you that they pick one or the other. No, because I think it's because or assume that, one or the other. Yeah, there's it's safe. It's safe. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you say assume one. It's not that they're picking. It's, you know, it's it's just safe and and for them at this moment. But maybe in the future it might be safer to say like, oh, they're so cute. Because within my family, with my siblings, we all oh, they're so cute, you know. And and with among our friends, they always call Juniper by they, and and it's like, to be honest, awkward at first, but very much easy, the more you practice it. So, so this leads me to, and it's just, it's, it's out there. So we're going to talk about it. We have this Florida bill, oh. right, uh, which uh, was signed into law, which banned gender discussion topics from kindergarten to third grade. And so uh, what, if you're a parent, I'm a parent, what age do you feel like, or what content do you feel like is appropriate then 
from your point of from your perspective for kindergarten to third grade? I don't I don't know anybody talking about you know weird gender stuff at that age level. Um, I don't know if you have that experience. My kids have both been through. Kin- I have two kids that went through kindergarten, third grade. Nobody said anything weird about body parts. Yeah, um, I I listened to this other podcast. Um, it's it's the TED Talk Kids, and I was listening to one that that's discussing like what what's age appropriate to talk about like sex to your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember its name right now, but um, I'll get you the link so you can put it in your show notes if if you okay. like. Um, but it talks about how we often think that like, um, if we talk about gender or we talk about sexuality or, or, or sex at a very young age, that it's breaking, like having them lose their innocence. Well, the Ted talk argues that it actually helps preserve their innocence because they don't go around wondering. So you're not like going up to them and saying, Hey, like, let's talk about sex. You're three years old. Let's do this. But if they ask a question, like, you know, mommy, what's a blank. And you just answer it to them factually. They're like, okay. And then they just go off and do their, and it preserves. They're just wondering. Yeah. Cause, cause (laughs) that's what we do as humans. We wonder, we ask questions and that's really and, and when you don't and you get misinformation and you get like, you know, oh, well, I think it's this or this, this, it actually ruins them. It ruins their innocence. So it's, it's better to address it as it comes. I'm my child is too. So I haven't had those conversations, but my husband and I have, have spoken about what we refer to body parts and, and we, we talk about them, um, you know, and and if Juniper asks that we will be factual with it, um, already I'm introducing Juniper to like text that is not so heterosexual normative, heterosexual being like the, the typical text, but there's so many books out there that, that introduces them to different, different lifestyles, different sexualities, different individuals that they will encounter in their life. And it's only a way to, to prepare them for it. Like, I just don't understand this. Right. Um, and I, th- th- I think the body conversation, yeah. Will, you know, right. And all of us should be at very minimum talking about strangers should not touch you in certain places. Yes. Right. And so, and so one. we're already should at least should be having this conversation and it, it, I, it can only spur other questions about, well, why are these parts quote unquote private parts or why are these parts why shouldn't they be allowed to touch them? And, and so body parts be, does become uh, a, a part of, it should be, be a part of conversation at home. As a parent, I, I certainly, you know, we have had these conversations so that they alert us if something happens. Now, this is a transition to the last thing, our, our last little piece for today. Um, and it has to do with the thing we worked on, speaking of body parts and identity, dress code. Right. Um, And so we're in high school. Right. But, um, you know, the the rewriting the dress code was a a initiative that you brought up. um, And um, can you just kind of explain a little bit on how it came uh, became a thing that you wanted to ask, invite the staff to review? So, um, God, 
our dress code was probably created before I was born. Yeah. So <laughs> yep. it, it was, it's, it's, and I, I say that as, as being hyperbolic, but it, it was very outdated. And for my purpose was to update the dress code, but also to include more gender neutral terms, which in, and which I know when we say gender neutral, people are going to think like, oh, you know, LGBTQ only, but that's not the case. It's just saying, instead of saying uh, skirts, we're saying bottoms, mm-hmm. right? Instead of saying tube tops, we're saying just tops. And so looking at that and, and removing some language that is meant to, you know, control, because honestly, dress code has always been about controlling more and, so than and it was odd. separated yeah. into girls yeah. can't wear this and boys yeah. can't wear this yeah instead and, of that it's just the, like right. these are things that should be acceptable within the school and then it has it so that students if they want to you know experiment with identity that they're they know you know okay well i i at least need this part covered right. and, and that's so really- a boy could wear a dress and still be in dress code as long as yeah as long as it's met it yeah. matches the dress code exactly and whereas I think, prior to that that would not have been yeah uh, i don't accepted. think i yeah i don't yeah it was just a very archaic dress code i would say but now it's more about you know being i don't even want to use the term appropriately dressed or professionally dressed just um dress for school but for so many kids uh the way they dress is part of their identity yeah and so there was a sensitivity i think that needed to come with that um and uh and so and so you did some research right were you the originator of the idea that the dress code terminology was um old and outdated or did you find that other schools were already jumping on this did it, this is not new and this is right. not even to our district it's not new to our state um but it's also not new to like the u.s because in virginia they were having students help rewrite their dress code to be a more gender neutral dress code uh, a fair dress code in north northern california um there are so many districts and even districts around here, um, I want to say uh, Norco, right? Like, mm-hmm, the, uh, uh, oh, I shouldn't be mentioning like these right. districts in Southern California. <laughs> right. There are so many districts that are implementing a more gender neutral dress, dress code. And, and I think that that's, and that's good. That's, that's what it should be rather than dictate like what just, you know, a cisgender female should be wearing um, you know, it's just say this needs to fit for the learning environment of all individuals, right? So that's going to be, let's see what implementation is like next year. Yes, we'll work on, we'll get the kids feedback and then we'll go yeah. from there. I mean, you know, yeah. um, speaking of kids, I did, I did talk to uh, two of my class periods today. I asked them, um, guys, I'm doing this podcast episode and we're talking about um, the singular they and pronouns. Is this on your radar? Or is this? just a thing that's bothering you and um so uh in a class of 30 uh just for anecdotal numbers right in class of 30 i had three kids say that that it was on their mind 
I said, well, how many of your teachers, and, and I'm owning that I don't do this, but how many of your teachers put their pronouns in their syllabus and uh, put it on their email signature and or on the board? And uh, uh, out of two classes, which is going to be about 65, 70 kids, a total of, they said a total of two did that. You know, I don't have it on my e email signature, although I do know a couple of our colleagues do. Um, and, uh, you know, th this is, for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a sign. But I did say, you know, is this important to you at this time? And, uh, you know, out of 60 kids, it was three or four that said, yeah, it's important to me. You know, I didn't do any follow-up with that. But, uh, you know, for some of them, I, uh, I don't know that it's necessarily bothering them. But you could feel a little energy coming my way from the ones that were indicating that uh, it, it was important to them. And, and like I said, I have been um, corrected when trying to add or she, talking about he or she, which I've been good at for you know 10 years now or longer now, and I've only been teaching 20 years, but I've been good about he or she. But now I'm getting the nudge to say, or they, Mr. Silva, right? It's like, or they, you're right, 100% right. Um, and I don't mind it. And I don't mind. And I, I actually think it's great that the kids feel comfortable enough to say, or don't, don't forget yeah. they, because they know I'll say you're hundred percent right. Or they, um, about it. So, uh, I, I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to nudge more people in, in that direction because like this article says, and like you've shared with me, it's not you defining you yourself, although that can be the case, but it's also you inviting someone else to say, oh, you've shared your pronouns. Let me share mine, right? As, so that they're not feeling like they're forcing something on you or, or, or somehow, you know, outing themselves in some, some way, right? By just say, hey, here's, here's mine. And you don't have to respond with yours, but these are mine. So you feel safe. And, and, I, and I just want to encourage more people to to rally around that. It's not about you. It's about you creating a space for somebody who may be one of those, my two of 60 kids who it, it was a thing for them. Yeah. Um, if they have six teachers in a day and they have six teachers saying, here's mine. I mean, you, and you're, please let me know if you have a preference and, and I will do my best to honor that preference so that they can go through their day. I mean, you talked about going through schooling without feeling, you know, it, yeah. you know, that that acknowledged and valued I, I uh, if and I don't know the more I think about it the more it's easy to do yeah right? the more it's it takes so little effort for me to put in my email signature put it in my syllabus uh and and ask people to rem, you know remind people please if I'm getting it wrong let me know and, I'll, and correct me if I don't do it right um and um you in the beginning of the year do you do like um and, and each teacher does it differently by like an about me page yeah. or something like yeah. that. Something easy yes. is, of course, just including, you know, if you would like to share your pronouns or your words, oh, with yeah. Ooh, yeah. space. not to force any students to do it. Right. Because we want them, but providing it in your own syllabus and saying like, well, here's a space for you if you would like to. Right. Because, you know, high school, um, you they students are still like exploring identity and 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 you know maybe that conversation this might be the first time like oh whoa like looking at this piece of paper that's saying oh what are your pronouns right here yeah. might be the first time that anybody hopefully not hopefully the conversation has happened beforehand but you know it might be the first time that 
you know, they need to express that. And, and so giving them that space, whether they want to or not, you know, that's up to them, but giving them that space in an about me page or, um, you know, I had a student, um, sorry to, I know we're going into final thoughts, but my experience with this student, um, he, uh, was in my freshman class and this is me second year as a teacher. And so um, during a presentation, someone used the pronoun he, and I said, oh, no, 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 she did this. And the student came up to me later and said like, you know, Mrs. Tran, I identify as male. And I go, oh my God. And I think that that's really where it started my journey to look into it. I, I forgot about that until this very moment talking to you. And I apologize. I, I said, I'm so sorry. I did not mean that. And then that's when I said, you know, when I call your girlfriend, it just means that like, she, and they see, even I almost did it. They, he said, no, I understand. I understand. Um, and then the next year, I speak with another teacher and the other teacher told me that the student had come up to her and he had on a piece of paper, oh, I identify as a boy and gave it to the teacher ahead of time. And I'm like, wow, like, I hope I made that. I hope that that was uh, a moment where I'm, you know, we're learning, I'm learning about him. He taught me something. And then he went on and felt more comfortable with himself as a sophomore and was able to mm. express openly to another teacher who he is. And so it was like, oh my God. Yeah. So it's just those little moments, you know, it's not, it's not going to be every student, but right. for the ones that need it the most, like those are the ones where you re you remember them and you think, oh my God, like, yeah. They just wanted to feel safe in their classroom. Yeah. They wanted and to feel welcomed. I would imagine that you apologizing went a long way, having an adult apologize to them, especially about something as deeply personal as identity. Yeah. And, and they probably had reservations about saying something to you. So if they said something, it was obviously important. <laughs> and I so honoring that is huge. That's why you're my champion. That's why I, I appreciate you and and. A, and I wanted to bring you on here. So let's um, let's let's have. Do you have anything you want to say before we wrap this up? That you want people to know about the about uh, whether it's about pronouns, whether it's about identity, whether it's about just relating to um, these kids in general. You have you have the the, the mic. <laughs> uh, I just think that you know the people who are listening here are the ones who are, are most likely already champions in their own school. And if this particular episode can help, you know, or, or allow teachers to say like, hey, listen to this and see what you think about it. Um, I would love for them to share it with somebody who might not be familiar with they, them, or might not, um, understand it and yet and hopefully you know again we're all ever learning and so hopefully it provides them a space where they'll listen and then they'll do their own research and do a little bit more looking at the current you know uh trends that are moving 
because we need to um, use language that fit our students and that are welcoming to the population that we are, you know, working with. And that's just what it is. And and I think I'm going to wrap it up with uh, for teachers out there that, you know, don't underestimate the willingness of a colleague to be open-minded. You know, Hang had took a chance on me and noticed that I had um, tendencies towards social justice, but they're more in the maybe the, the ethnicity cultural area. They weren't necessarily in the pronoun area, but I think if they are into social justice and they have the energy and that kind of, um, you know, focus and emphasis in one area, you know, don't underestimate them in, in the same way that the hang didn't underestimate me. Um, give them a chance. Hey, you know, you're doing great. You might want to consider, you know, this kind of language as, as being important. And, and, you know, you might miss, but if you hit, you're going to, you're going to convert somebody to being even more effective with this, the kids you care about. And, um, and, and you never, you just never know how powerful it is having one more person. It's not, you didn't just double. I don't think you doubled your effectiveness. You, it's like you, you, it was more than that. It was almost, it was almost exponential. And then you can slowly kind of find other people to then um, say, Hey, we're, we're not, trying to do anything but respect yeah right and have it go both ways i mean how many times have teachers complained that kids are getting less respectful well let's let's let's, yeah. let's put out more respect and see what comes back i i would imagine it's respect coming back not i don't know a lot of kids that meet a ton of respect with a ton of disrespect as long as that respect is rooted in love and boundaries and clear expectations um and so something for, for people to consider. And, and so hopefully this isn't the last time you come on, but I'm grateful for you as a human and, um, and, and, and thankful that you can come on and help me learn and grow and, 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 and mess up and, and, yeah. and still come back and, and, and keep trying. So no, thankful for you. It's definitely not going to be the last time that I come <laughs> on. And I love that you added the me- and mess up part because my life <laughs> I always, I guess my catchphrase would be like, I got to get my life together because, (laughs) but that's the, that's the fun thing. I think it's in those mistakes, it's learning. And, and even, even like with me learning, you know, um, my own life, my own existence, my own identity and how to parent and stuff like that. I've got that. You've got two adorable, amazing little, little humans. I'm going to definitely need to pick your brain on, they you had know, their moments. <laughs> they had their moments, but how they, how did you help that? Cause I've got a wild one coming up and yeah. So that's Juniper is a wild one. <laughs> All right. We'll end on that. Thank you so much for being here. I'm just, you know, and, and for those of you listening, you understand I'm this whole year I'm spending just asking questions and trying to understand what it means to teach for justice and, and having that at the forefront and how it can how it can change what I, how I approach curriculum, how I approach kids in general, how I approach my colleagues, how I approach my personal life. And uh, hopefully this was a step in the right direction for me and for you. And um, I, I'm, like I said, I'm grateful. So thank you. I will see you tomorrow. <laughs> Everyone else, we'll, I'll see you when I see you. Bye. Bye.